0: but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever amen so, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ.
1: Thank you, Linnell. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let me ask for God's help as we address this passage together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for Jesus, who is the revelation of your word, who is God to us. And we thank you for the Father that he reveals to us. The love of god for each one of us lord as we open your word we pray that we would hear the truth that we would understand it that we would believe it that we would be changed by it that you would receive glory we pray in jesus name amen i haven't titled this morning's message passion and frustration maybe if i did that would truly capture uh paul's intention as uh, or feelings as he's writing um rather let's title this message no other gospel uh, and it's as i said a series on galatians which uh, overall i'm entitling it is for freedom there's a relationship that's about to be tested it's the relationship between a father and his son uh, I've celebrated the the birthday of, of one of my boys through the week. He turned 13. That's a landmark, isn't it? Another birthday in the week week coming, uh, where Phineas is going to be turning 11. Um, but Stephen, our eldest, he's already turned 18, and uh, it means he's a young adult, doesn't it? Uh, it means in his HSC year, he's only got a few more months, and he's going to be Uh, finished school and all of its responsibilities, and God willing, dare I say that, um, soon to be entering the world and uh, all of the freedoms that are before him. Why do I say there's a relationship between a father and a son that's about to be tested? Well, if my relationship with my son is all about a father's expectations and a son's obedience to those, well, then our relationship could be about to come to an end. If all he's doing is, at the moment, living as someone who is under rules and expectations, well, as he enters the world as, a, as a, an adult and, and as one who's completed all of the responsibilities of school and everything else and, and now in a, a nation that says, you're 18, you, you're under your own own steam now uh, your choices they're your responsibility well then the relationship that we have may soon be at an end but if our relationship is one of mutual love where my son is free to be who he is that uh, that my love for him and his love for me is not just about rule keeping or about uh, how we live under the same roof together. Well, what we can look forward to is not a relationship that is threatened, but a relationship that may continue to be a blessing both to him and to me, as we grow and deepen in our love for each other, something that I hope that we continue to share. Why do I speak in these terms? Uh, Because Paul, as he writes to the Galatians, is speaking about that sort of relationship. He says, if the relationship that you have with God is just about God's expectations for you and your ability to uphold those expectations, well then, really, the future for you is in crisis. He will speak to the church in terms like a father and a son. He will speak to the church in matters of obedience and how to be led by the Spirit, how to to live a life of freedom that is truly free and truly rich. But really he wants them to continue in a love that they have begun, a relationship that, that has been made possible for them and they've said, yes, this is what we want, but is now under threat. He does write to them in passion And with a degree of frustration, beginning his letter to them, Paul, an apostle. If you compare it to uh, some of Paul's other letters to other churches, you can read even in these first few verses that, that the tone with which he writes is different. One of the things he needs to establish right at the beginning is that he is one who has been sent by God. That's what apostle means. Uh, In everyday speak, it means someone who is an authorised representative. Uh, That was the the common Greek term of it. We understand it in biblical terms as as those who are particularly uh, commissioned by God and sent out by Jesus uh, to be the first to, to proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Paul claims this title upon himself in order to remind the church, "I am one who has been sent to you by God." And while others have come and said that the message that I've preached has been nothing, uh, or that it that I was simplifying things, or I was making you know way that uh, ma- making my message more popular so that many people could come. Um, Actually, you need to know that what I presented to you was what God wanted me to share. Uh, You might liken it, I suppose, to uh, if I was to come back after a period of absence and, and felt as I listened over... Sermon Cloud to the messages that were preached in my absence, uh, and thought that there was some gospel that was being preached that was contrary to the one that, that I try and share with you week by week. I might come back and say, Look, I know I haven't been here for a little while, but I'm your pastor. And there's a culture that we share, and there's a truth that we hold on to, and, and we have a relationship that began with you saying, God has appointed you as our pastor. We're going to trust in you as our teacher. Mostly, like Paul, I wouldn't focus on that, but would focus on the message. But Paul is clear to establish, first of all, his authority under God that was there at the beginning and now continues for them, as well as what it was that God had commissioned him to do. What was the message that he preaches? So he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers who are with me and he'll continue in that sort of language and we'll speak about uh, the importance of of what he conveys there in Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead in a moment to the churches of Galatia now if you were to look for the names of of some of the, the churches and the region of Galatia you would find them on today's map well not the place names but you would find that We're really talking about places that existed in history. Uh, Today, it's in the nation of Turkey, this region of Galatia. Uh, Turkey has a rich history. Uh, There's a place now, I hope I get the name of it right because it's a very important building, the Hagia Sophia. Has anyone visited it in Turkey? It's it's still there today. Uh, It's now a museum, but when it was built in AD 537, it was a church unlike any that had been built in its time. It was the world's largest building and an engineering marvel, said to have changed the history of architecture. It remained the largest cathedral in the world for over almost 1,000 years. For those who are into building and, and love to, to examine architecture and those sorts of things, it was a kind of a, a brick-and-mortar building where some of the mortar joints were one and a half times the size of the bricks. Now, you think that's not very good uh, construction. But within the mortar, they had part, uh, uh, bits of, of ceramic pottery or, or ceramic pieces that, that helped to make the mortar strong. And so if you think about how we make concrete today and all of the buildings that we are now making out of concrete, it was, it was kind of like the forerunner of, 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 uh, of our modern um, construction. For 900 years, it served as a Christian cathedral. Then for 500 years was an Islamic mosque. Now for the past 80 years, it's been a museum. This building, no matter its grandness and its dedication, Hagia Sophia uh, speaks of the wisdom and, and word of God, that that was the the dedicated purpose of the building and and it was grand but as grand as it was it gave way to changing religions and is now really just a relic of the past when paul spoke to believers just in multiple churches in 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 different towns within the region of galatia he wants to speak into them Truths that that act even stronger than mortar, even stronger than concrete. Structures that have a beauty that lasts beyond a thousand years. That will be able to withstand the test of changing religions. And will not one day just be looked at as as a, a relic of the past. But will forever continue to be a living monument. A testimony of Christ and his grace and the peace that we have he wants to preserve in them something that was true at the beginning and needs to remain true if people are to be true to the the gospel as they have received it and so in verse 3 he says grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ now i have listened to the messages that were preached in my absence and I'm not saying they preached a different gospel or I'm preaching a different gospel. Um, I want to thank those who have served in the pulpit in my absence. And I know that one of the messages that you heard was how to share the gospel with people in outreach. Now, you may not want to draw three circles at, at this time, but I do want you to take one of these two words, grace or peace, and explain to the person next to you, What's the importance of grace or what's the wonder of peace that we have as Christians right now? Did you say about grace? God's grace is sufficient. That God's Son died for us? Getting something you don't deserve, Some, you don't deserve yeah. and not getting something that you do deserve. Yeah? And his grace, it's His grace that gets each and every one of us through whatever
0: situation that we're in. It's his grace. It's God's <laughs> grace
1: that gets us through the circumstances that we're in. Yeah. Who talked about peace? Call out some of the things that you've said about peace. Because Jesus died on the cross, right, God gives us his peace, which you can't get anywhere else. Okay. This transcends what we're going through, so
0: it's super, in a sense supernatural, so you can go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes,
1: so even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, peace surpasses our circumstances, yes. Why? Why can we have that piece? Phineas? It means it's where you feel comfortable. Where you feel comfortable. Mm. So Paul is saying that you as believers should have these two things. I wish them for you. Uh and, and if you don't have them, it's because you've lost the gospel. And if you lose the gospel, you're not going to have them. <laughs> And so let me encourage you in these things, grace and peace. And in verse 2 and verse 4, he describes how those things come about as you have done. Through Jesus who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. And God who raised him from the dead. That's the foundation of the gospel. Um, And before I go on to talk more about what it is that that Paul is is now going to um, challenge the church on, let's just be clear on what that gospel is. Gospel as a word means good news. And in a way, you only can receive good news when you're in a time of bad news, really, can't you? Uh, You know that there's something wrong and then somebody offers you something that is going to be the solution to that. We are in a present evil age. We are actually the participants in that. We each, the word of God says, have turned our backs against God, our creator, the sustainer of life, the one who is alone righteous. We are condemned by the law. God gave it to his people as a guiding principle, as a, as a contract between him and, and the nation that would be a light to, to all of the nations on the earth. I began speaking about the, the Ten Commandments in my scripture classes this week and I asked people to raise their hands. Who'd heard of the, the Ten Commandments? And I had about three people in each class say that they'd heard of the Ten Commandments, let alone name any of them. Uh, we need to know what, what God's standard is for us. We need to know where we fall short of that because we can't stand before God on the day of judgment and declare our goodness or our righteousness if, as God reveals his righteousness to us, we understand that we have each broken that covenant. We've each fallen short of the standard. We are part of a present evil age, but God in his grace, not because we deserved it, sent his son who could perfectly fulfill the law. He lived a life without sin, in perfect relationship with the father, did nothing to deserve death, but yet gave his life for us. He said before his, his trial and his execution, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down willingly. I will be the sacrificial lamb. My blood will wash others clean. As I take the punishment they deserve upon myself, they get to go out to lunch. I'm just thinking again in school terms. You know, the kid who does something wrong and has to stay in at lunchtime. What if someone who hasn't done anything wrong says, I want to stay in? Let them go. That's what God does for us. Jesus takes our punishment upon himself so that we can go without punishment and he gives us his righteousness it was what jesus did for us and god the father completes the victory by raising him from the dead and so the peace we have now is that if we die with christ if we say yes that death he died he died for me then the life that he that god has now given christ we get to share as well that's the gospel it's grace and it's peace. I, I, I don't have to fulfill the law. God has fulfilled it for me. I don't have to suffer death. Jesus has paid my price. And now I get to live in life and freedom. What peace that brings to my heart. Paul goes on to write, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. And turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you. Who want to distort the gospel of Christ. If there is a message different to the one we preached. It's not good news. Because it's going to take you from. Being completely free under God. To being free plus having some other requirement. It's Jesus and something else. It's grace and. And expectation it's peace but also those things that cloud your mind and and trouble you and so he says there is no other gospel but the gospel of grace but you have begun to believe another message and I am astonished just to put this in proper context and to understand some of the language that Paul's about to use and and where this church has come from Uh, turn with me in your Bibles back to Acts chapter 13 some of it I want to read, some of it I want to summarise. Um, I want to make you familiar with it, though, because uh, in addition to reading Galatians this week, um, go back and, and read through Acts chapter 13. Here's the context. Now, there were in the church of Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So Saul, Paul, same guy, um, we'll hear that name get changed in this passage, uh, has been commissioned alongside of Barnabas to be one of those who goes and takes the gospel beyond the regions of jerusalem and judea uh, this place antioch it's it's sort of just north of, of the country there that's where the church uh, is and where paul's been spending some time and uh, and now they're being sent out and so they go to proclaim the gospel now one of the first places that they go to the roman proconsul hears about uh, paul and barnabas and their preaching and so invites them that he might hear their message and they're opposed by a a man named bar jesus or elimas the magician for that's the meaning of his name Uh, he tries to prevent those who are interested in hearing about jesus from hearing the gospel that that they've come to preach and so Paul, we're told, but Saul, in verse 9, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. I find this really interesting because we know that it was Saul who at one time was stopped in the road by Jesus himself and was blind for a time. And then as sight was, was given to him again was a changed man now understanding the gospel that he had tried to prevent he wanted others to see the light as he had seen it but he has no time for this guy Bar jesus because he wants to make crooked the way that's straight it's simple the 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 understanding of the gospel and and receiving grace and sal- or sa- the salvation that comes through grace because the requirements are not up to us They're completed by Christ. We just need to believe in him. And so he curses this man with blindness that he might be prevented from preventing people from hearing the gospel and maybe will understand what it means like he does to once be in darkness and then come into the light. That's one of the early experiences that he has. But it's likened, Uh, To what he will experience as he continues on the road in verse 13 we can we pick up the story Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos to Perga in Pamphylia now we're getting into Galatia and John left left them and returned to Jerusalem but they went from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia it's a different Antioch to where Paul first began Uh, and the Sabbath uh, And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. Now, the synagogue is where uh, Jews who were not in Jerusalem would meet and worship week by week. Each Sabbath, they would come a little bit like a, a church building dedicated for the worship of the Lord. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. And so he then begins his, the gospel that he preaches to the Jews. And he traces the, the Old Testament through to uh, all that it says in, in pointing to Christ and how Christ... Uh, fulfills those things how john comes as a as a forerunner to christ and then points to christ and says this is the one that you listen to this is the fulfillment of those promises that david received uh, of, a, of a kingdom that would last forever of of one from his house who would sit upon his throne uh, and so if you want to read the old testament in, in a hurry um, read what paul says uh, just in those first those verses within in chapter 13 i won't read them all for you now um, but he gets to the his conclusion in verse 38 let it be known to you therefore brothers that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of moses now he'll in Gal- his letter to the galatians flesh this out uh, a lot more and we'll So we won't spend time today looking at it, but in future weeks we will. But essentially he's saying the law, it's it's revealed God's expectations to you and actually points to Christ because it shows that not by our own works can we be made right with God. And so we've been looking forward to Christ coming and he's now here. And now that Christ is here, anyone who believes can be freed from sin. It's a great message to the Jews. It's also a great message to the Gentiles. Um, Let's pick it up in verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And they began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying... It was necessary that the Word of God be spoken first to you since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life behold we are turning to the Gentiles and so you'll hear Paul speak of of Peter who's commissioned to be an apostle to the Jews but he is commissioned to be an apostle to the Gentiles he's always known that but still everywhere he went wanted to preach it first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles But always wanted uh, the Gentiles to know this message, that grace comes to them also. Verse 48, he says, When the Gentiles heard, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. It's wonderful, isn't it? The message has finally come to the Gentiles that people like you and me, we get included into the covenant promises of God not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And as soon as the Gentiles start rejoicing in this, the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city and stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, also in Galatia. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit Now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. And so it continues. So in a way, I'm astonished that Paul's astonished that people are so quickly turning from the gospel that has been preached. Because even when he was preaching it, there were people there saying, oh, hang on it sounds nice for us jews that maybe you know we can still be freed and not through works of the law but we're uncomfortable with the gentiles being included in that because really i mean as wonderful as the gospel of jesus is surely there's other expectations that that you know we've inherited uh that we should also be taking on in order just to make certain that that this gospel is is true for all of us i mean We've always welcomed people into, you know, into our faith. And so surely now as they're they're coming to Christ, they should also come uh, under our, our covenant. But Paul says no. So what is it that Paul is astonished about? I don't think it's that he's astonished that there is opposition to the gospel. I think he's astonished that people who have believed and understood the gospel are now giving way to those who are opposing it. Because once you've understood that that you're forgiven by grace and not by works, that your hope is secure and so you're able to live in peace, why would you hear someone say, and you also need to be circumcised and go, oh, yes, I knew that's what I needed to do. Or you need to keep this feast or you need to keep that festival or you need to be practising worship in these ways. Why? Why? Would you go from rejoicing in grace and freedom to then adding expectation and rules and regulations to the gospel that you've received? I think maybe it comes back to our human condition of our hearts. Because really, we're a little bit offended by the gospel, aren't we? We think, actually, the gospel's come to us because we deserve it. Like we're actually the good people that God has chosen to forgive the few wrong things that we've done or once I come to grace and and I'm welcomed into the church surely there's some things that I can do just to elevate myself a little bit higher than the other people in the church because while it's nice that God has lifted me up I still want to be able to look down my nose just a little bit at the people around about me maybe it's those things that Paul is astonished by He's not just astonished though he's appalled frustrated and angry because just like bar jesus who opposed him and he cursed him with darkness paul says in verse 8 even if an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached let him be accursed and we have said it before now i say it if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now in today's language we go, that's, that's too much, isn't it? Surely it's just love and peace and kindness and goodness and, you know, we, we don't want anyone to be accursed. Paul curses these people because they're not content just to reject the gospel themselves. They are determined to corrupt the salvation of others. And they will drag others to hell with them. And so Paul curses them for their behaviour. How dare you seek to take what is good away from others. It's really life and death on the line. If you invite them into a gospel that says they can be good by their own actions really you're paving a beautiful pathway for them to hell. Because there's no other name by which we can be saved but through Jesus. There's no other way that we can be made right before God but by what Christ has done for us. And once Christ has completed that work for us, if we try and add one thing to it, we're taking everything away from it. We're saying he is not enough. Let them be cursed. Why am I saying this? Paul says. Am I seeking the approval of man? No. I know there's a lot of people who oppose me and are are saying bad things about me, saying I'm not a true apostle, saying that I've perverted the gospel in order to include the Gentiles when it's really just for the Jews. I'm not interested in what they say about me. I'm only interested in what God says about me. Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Just like them, if there's anything I do to change what it is I'm I've been called to say, well then I'm not saying anything that's of any help to anyone. I've stopped being a servant of Christ. The power of Paul's message here to the Galatians has been one that's echoed through history. Martin Luther, when he read Galatians and Romans, understood that the church at his time was just laying upon people a foundation of works you could buy your way into the kingdom while you help build the grand cathedrals he said jesus plus something else destroys jesus entirely but jesus plus nothing equals freedom and so the whole protestant reformation has been built on this sort of principle Let us not lose what the gospel was at the very beginning. It's also what we use today to work out now which are the churches that preach the true gospel and which are those cults that are are sounding very religious and preaching seemingly very good things but are really confusing people and just paving for them a different pathway to hell. It's these verses and and this book that Paul has uh, written that help us also stand against legalism in the church. Those areas where we're tempted to place upon people a burden different to what God is placing upon them. Where we say, yes, you can come in. We preach the gospel here. All right, now that you're here, you need to measure up in all sorts of different ways. Let us be accursed if that be our message and it speaks a word to we who like to be people pleasers who like the reputation of others who like the pats on the back who like being well thought of in our community when it means that we just have to water down the gospel just a little bit it speaks a word to us And as we will see, that word is grace and peace. For God wants us each to experience freedom. It's a word that speaks love of Abba, Father, to his children. It's a word that speaks life into the church, that we would live in freedom. That's exciting. That's liberating. That's life of love, freedom, and life by the Spirit. I pray that you read these words, study them. Let them change you, but let the gospel not be changed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, even for the tests that have come against the gospel. Because it's in the testing of it that we see how wonderful it is, this gospel that we've received. Good news to us who fail. Good news to us who find so many messages in the world and and so many pathways that that speak of, of peace that can be found. But Lord, we know true peace in you. We know grace. We know freedom. And we know love. Reveal your word to us, and, and may we be people like Paul who are not people pleasers, but who are able to speak clearly the gospel of grace and see others' wonder freedom. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.